welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me is my lovely co-host... Kirsten White. Hi, Kirsten. We haven't recorded a Buffy episode in a while. I know. I'm so excited, and I'm super excited about our guests today. We have two incredible guests. Our first is a comic book phenom. <laughs> Kelly Sue DeConnick. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. And we also have stand-up comic podcaster and director... Cameron Esposito. Hi. Hi. Uh, Thank you both for joining us. I'm really happy to have both of you. I feel like while this episode is a pretty straightforward episode, it's a pivotal episode in season seven where Buffy's like, fuck yeah, we're going to win this shit and I'm going to kill these monsters. And uh, But before we get into the episode, we're going to be talking Showtime. Kelly Sue, would you like to go first and give us your Buffy origin? Yeah, yeah. I started watching the show when it first aired. I lived in New York City um, on second between C and D and like it, it's it's a very particular time in my life that's very much an origin story for myself you know um <laughs> uh it was a tough time but really formative and um and yeah it was it was the first show I remember like we would have friends over to watch it you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. did you watch it when it aired Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, remember that? When, like, you watched <laughs> something when it was on TV. Like, it's like it, yeah, the yeah. thing was on TV. Yeah. And then you turned on the TV, and it was and on there. And if you missed it, you were through. Like, there was just, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there was there was no bit bit being back, like, you know. <laughs> well, wild. I will say, I Kirsten and I are the same age. We both uh, also were the of the age to watch it when it was on. Um, and it's so funny because it's like, I'll say like, it's my favorite show, but I didn't see like all of the episodes till like many years later. Cause like, yeah. if you missed it, you just, you didn't know when you would see it again. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Cameron, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Absolutely. There are pretty much zero podcasts that I would do this amount of work for this amount of work, <laughs> just being literally watching one episode of television. But um, I would absolutely do it for this podcast because Buffy is really important to me. Um, specifically because of Willow and Tara, you know, I was in high school when this show was on the air and I was just talking to my spouse today about, there was this show called Young Americans that, that had like a young Kate Menig who eventually then would start in the L word that was on for a single season. And it was one of those things where like Kate Menig's character dressed up like a guy to like enter an all boys school. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I ever saw that was like vaguely queer gender fuckage stuff. Mm-hmm. And Buffy was right on the heels of that. So I remember like I had my boyfriend would come over. I really wanted my hair to look like Anna, Allison Hannigan's. We don't know why <laughs> that is true. Um, no, unclear. Uh, the episode with the gentleman was so important to me that like years ago when I had an action movie podcast, I booked Duck, Doug Jones on it who played... Uh-huh. The gentleman. Yeah. Also, just so you know, we never had another guest on the podcast. It was an action <laughs> and sci-fi movie podcast. We only had one guest ever, and it was Doug Jones. <laughs> I love that. I mean, one and done, right? Yeah. 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 Well, obviously, he's so great and and covers so much. So it, we didn't need anybody else. But um, I just rewatched today the sort of like Willow and Tara like touching hands and like moving a soda machine and and. You know what? The sparks were still there in my body and I couldn't even believe it. I was like so affected. I also one time did a panel with Amber Benson and Mm -hmm. like tried to tell her, you know, it's just like, (laughs) you don't need to, if you're on the panel with the person, don't try to tell them. But I did like sort of, you know, it was really, I was in high school and it really mattered 
that's where we met. She was like, we're, I'm at work right now. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, Buffy for me, it's really the queerness, the punching and <laughs> women that talk to each other about anything, which really didn't exist outside of this women that passed the Bechdel test didn't really exist outside of this show in my um, remembering from this time on TV. You know, it's, I, I, I mean, I've mentioned this a million times in the podcast, but I'll tell you both. Uh, my mother, who is 75, is actually the reason I got into Buffy because she felt there weren't other shows where like women were kicking ass, but also mm-hmm. like able to like talk and be friends and like yeah. wasn't just the fighting. It was like the relationships. Um, and like I, t- I once told Jana Spenson that when she was on the podcast that she was like, is the show that old? I was like, no, 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 no. My mom was very much not the Buffy demographic. She just liked teen things and was very much an adult um but the show's pretty old y'all <laughs> it, yeah. it is yeah we are so scream is hitting 25 years in december and buffy is hitting 25 years in march which makes me feel very old <laughs> wow okay actually i mean that makes sense yeah lots yeah. of things have happened right yeah, yeah. And, and also if you watch it you know it, you do notice yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so that's that's a nice thing also not, not lost on the viewer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, Cameron, I when I interned at BuzzFeed, Amber Benson was like the first interview I did at Comic Con that year, and she invited me out. She was she's the sweetest, and she's been on the podcast a few times. Yeah. So sweet, so lovely. She was like, "Oh, do you want to come out for drinks?" Like, because she was friends with one of my BuzzFeed coworkers, Louis Peitzman, and she was like, "Why don't you join us?" We got like just a hint of drunk. And I was like, can I gush to you for two seconds? And she was like, of course you can. And I was like, Tara meant so much to me and Willow and Tara blah, blah. And I did, I did the fucking thing. So I understand. <laughs> the amount, the amount of patience that that woman must have. To right. Have. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. much patience. So yeah. I feel like she must hear that like 85 times a fucking day. <laughs> Absolutely. I did maybe the creepiest thing I've ever done professionally um on a panel with her afterward i was like i really want a picture with her but since we were on the panel together i don't want to like be a weird fan now so i found a friend in the line and asked her to ask if she could take a picture of us together like really casually like she just happened to want a picture of me and author with <laughs> and i was like oh oh you want a picture of us oh is, is that okay, okay? I yeah, guess. And, um, yeah. yeah so i have a picture of us together that i you totally... are so smooth yeah it, it was it was yeah it was definitely there was no way amber saw through that no <laughs> way um i every time you tell that story Kirsten, it makes me so happy because <laughs> i'll have you both know kirsten is like very like collected and like chill and i so like i like the you like fanned out (laughs) yeah yeah but okay so we're here to talk about season seven's showtime um cameron what did you feel about it on this rewatch how did you feel about the episode well i gotta say i think as an episode it does like it does feel a little slow Mm. because you're really waiting for anything to happen that being said the fact that what you're waiting for to happen is Allison Hannigan actually saying it's showtime? <laughs> yes, <laughs> almost made it worth it because it's like a pretty slow meandering. You know, the, there's like a big fight sort of at the end, but the rest of it's a lot of chit chat. There's no kissing. There's no <laughs> lesbian kissing. Hard for me to watch that, but it is that there's a that there's a titular line always will get me. Um, <laughs> so that that's my first. That's like my first, my initial response is. 
okay, a uh, little slow. Love that. Love the love it. I don't say it's showtime enough in my life. Yeah, <laughs> actually, now that upon further reflection, you need you need to add that into your comedy routine. I'm, a, I'm literally a stand up comic. <laughs> uh, Kelly Sue, how'd you feel watching finishing watching it for this? Well, all that jazz is my favorite film of all time, so I actually say it's Showtime a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm so jealous of your yeah. whole life, man. Let me just tell you, um, and I have a weird Rochider obsession, but that's for another podcast, I think. Um, yeah, let's see. You know, I I had the the I was watching it sort of with a writer's perspective because it's a sort of hard thing to turn off mm-hmm. these days, you know? And so I felt like they were stalling, which I think was maybe mm-hmm. my read yeah. on the like slow was I was like, mm-hmm. you don't know where you're going. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so your, your characters are trying to th- the the Greek chorus of insecure future slayers um, felt like that when you're when you're writing and you don't know what you're doing and so you have these these characters that are like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen you're like i don't know <laughs> shut up you know um and it, it kind of felt like that and so there's there was a little bit of that the moments that i really enjoyed i, I like i i also wanted to just like I, th- I really think we need to workshop that line about the only thing stronger than pure evil is us mm-hmm. like it was like mm. <laughs> I, but it, it was like i wanted it to be something about you know how, how the, the only thing that was stronger than one of them was all of them you know mm-hmm. but, but and then i did like that we have an army um but yeah it just it didn't it didn't quite pay off so and the reveal of like no there was this other conversation that happened in their heads um was like Meh, you know it's it's Buffy's had better reveals, um, but uh, at the at the you know not to sound too terribly negative, um, <laughs> the the appeal of the show isn't the exceptional plotting. The appeal of the show is the charming characters and you know, the Scooby the Scooby Gang, the the foundation yeah. in those relationships. Yeah. Um, that's why you watch it. That's why you like it. The the or that's why I watch it. That's why I like it. The um the genuine affection between these characters. And I think yeah. also Sarah Michelle Geller throughout she she comes into her own. She becomes um a stronger actress as the as the show goes on, which is sort of interesting to watch that evolution. I I listen, I know I'm gonna be, you know, of course a gay man saying this, but like, God did she deserve a goddamn Emmy. Like I feel like she always commit she was always committing, whether it was her turning into a cave person because she was drinking, or like, you know, or this where she's like, I'm gonna kick the shit out of this monster. Like I always I will that's like one of the hills I'll die on that like she deserved an Emmy for this series. It's a hard sell, you know? So like I I I work on these action movies and people being able to run on camera and not look stupid is a thing, <laughs> you know, like you, you don't think it's that hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she is this, you, you buy that she's a high school student or a college student. You buy that she's right. this, this um, physically unimpressive uh specimen and then she sells the fights mm-hmm. yeah like that's 
that's really good physical acting. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with you. You know what I would make a comparison to is um something that I think is like so impressive that nobody talks about is how amazing Grey's Anatomy is for this reason because like that show has been on for a zillion seasons and wow. everybody is constantly having a, they have to the actors having to pull off being like medically surprised for 20 mm. years like that each episode they're like oh my god like the stakes are so high like this guy might die because of a ferry accident like they've been living <laughs> they've been in groundhog day for that yeah. and it's like, like did incredible. you not see last week's show exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like incredible what they're able to do and i i would i actually noticed that too kelly sue like we watching it i was really struck by like yeah just sarah michelle being able to like get it up for these fights and Mm -hmm. for like bad guys that are going to destroy us all. It's like, we know this is the seventh season. She's been like, she's been, she's been, she's been doing this for a minute. (laughs) And, and each of them has to seem so dire. It's incredible. And you do buy her as the leader, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I love that. (laughs) So the episode opens with a uh, new potential slayer, Rona, coming to town. She's getting off her bus. She's got her signature uh, denim overalls and jacket on top, which is kind of the outfit she wears. So the rest of the show, she's ambushed by bringers. Who who messed with the phone book. That's how organized they are. They're like, you know what? <laughs> we're going to tear that page out of the phone book. <laughs> like, yeah. we're coming to kill her, but also just in case, rip the page out of the phone book. <laughs> okay, so my read was that another Slayer had also checked the phone book and then just, like, decided to take that page with them. I didn't really think mm. that. Um, oh, I mean, I guess that mm-hmm. makes sense, too. I was like, man, those bringers for not being able to see were really good at looking through <laughs> the phone book yeah. and finding one page. That's true. But also, there was a phone book. Right. Yeah. Phone I, honestly, as a writer, I get really jealous when I'm like, ah, they didn't have to plot around cell phones. <laughs> yes. Everything's so much easier because it makes everything so much more complicated, right? Like they can't solve everything with a text. Yeah. If <sighs> only we could invent some technology that would universally lower the stakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I do remember... Cameron, I don't know if you remember this, but like when it was on, it was weird. Like at this point, it was a little weird that they weren't using cell phones. Um, like I remember, oh, I remember right. in season six yeah. thinking like when Dawn's in trouble being like, shouldn't she have a cell phone just to call Buffy on? Like at that point, people did have like, I was so, in college at that point. So hmm. you're saying like, it makes sense that this group of people who are constantly separated and constantly need to regroup to fight a great evil over at this point years it would make sense that they'd be early adopters of a technology yeah. that might help <laughs> right? with that right <laughs> like you feel like they'd, they'd also like get into laptops pretty quickly <laughs> just like anything that would be helpful would be you know that make, i never thought of that but like yeah that makes sense i could see them having like a car phone even right yes like, yeah. in, you know a clunky, like giant car phone, yeah. like would make sense. Yeah, would make sense. Yes, um, I, I think they missed out having like the the techie member of the crew. You know, true. Yeah, like the, the, So, is that technically Willow? Like, is Willow the techie member? Like, is uh, have yeah. we used is witchcraft tech? Right, like it is. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. how it functions. And yeah, often 
although there is no consistency. I can go all day about the magic system in Buffy, but I won't because... <laughs> Hi, Kirsten has written two Buffy books. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have the bringers attack Rona. Buffy shows up. She delivers an amazing line. And it's one of those lines where you're like, I don't think that makes sense, but also I love it when she says, try picking on someone my own size. Like, yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and also doesn't make sense it right. makes no sense at all and she completely commits and you yeah. know the actress had to be like what <laughs> you know yeah yeah i i do like the way i always like because buffy's powers are a little unbalanced at times which mm-hmm. i guess happens when you have like a super like i think of even in the x-men like sometimes rogue and colossus just get beat up even though they're supposed to be super strong um i love that she just kind of throws the bringers when she enters mm-hmm. it looks like she's like bursting through them it's a cool visual so then she's like goes up to rona and i i have to point this out because she says Rona, right? And I, the only time Sarah Michelle Geller has ever uh, noticed one of my like really dumb memes is I like tweeted that and was like me every time I cough during the pandemic, and she like posted it and thanked me, and I was like, <gasps> she oh, noticed. God. I was wondering as we watched that. Thank you for that because I <laughs> it did stand out to me that 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 name is a tough tough character name for right. Yes, all future <laughs> television shows. Yes. <laughs> um so then we she she gives her like the the brona's like you're here and she's like her is me you're you're her and she's like her is me which i there's a lot of like silly lines in here but i also love hearing buffy saying welcome to the hellmouth to like a new young slayer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's like again like you said with like her saying willow saying showtime later i felt like that's the name of the first episode look she said it like i felt very excited about that we cut to the credits and cameron i have to ask your opinion on Kennedy. We get Kennedy and Willow with their like flirty back and forth. I got to know what you think. You know, I, so at this point in the show, I was no longer watching live or whatever the right words are. But so I have only seen Kennedy and Willow's vibe. Look, I can, I can be open about this. I'm a 39 year old adult person. (laughs) And I watch um, YouTube compilation videos of Mm -hmm. queer storylines. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the ones that are like, with a portmanteau of the right. character names um, that are made by like teens in Russia. Like mm-hmm. that, those, I watched those videos. <laughs> it's so specific, but yes, I know exactly, you what, know you exactly mean. what I mean. Yeah. So you're, um, you're among your people here. So yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. So I feel like my only context for Willow and Kennedy is like this sort of sped up. Cause those, those videos they like play everything out. It's it. They're like four minutes long and it's every kiss or every like look that they've ever had. And so they, <laughs> they really mess with the time and space of the show um, that they're from. So watching them flirt with each other was really exciting and, and sweet and also felt like very strange given the speed that I've watched this relationship at because they yeah. just felt like, um, like why, why is Kennedy's coming on to her so hard? Is this the big? Is this like the moment that that has started, or what's happening in the previous episode? Yeah, literally, like, we we meet Kennedy in the previous episode, and she makes like um a joke about like hogging the covers, and immediately and she's like yeah. immediately hitting on Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When the way the what I say about it is, <laughs> it's like Willow is like rebound, like looking for not even looking for rebound, but like in uh-huh. that like air of like I could use a rebound. Yep. It's a hot young top that's being aggressively flirty. Like, who wouldn't, right? It's the end of the world. Yep. Everyone deserves to get laid. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. 
And I will admit, Kennedy has grown on me because, like, the the, the fandom is very divided on Kennedy, right? People have strong opinions. I think my first watch through, I was like, oh, but no one will ever replace Tara. But watching this, I'm like, you know what? Kennedy's really cute. Why do we hate her? I can't remember. (laughs) Well, Um, is it because, like, Tara is, she's, like, so, I mean, she doesn't even meet your eyes. Like, like the the way that the character is played, she's so, like, sweetly and hilariously, like, deferential. She's in, like, a constant bow to the universe <laughs> yeah. and then to have that contrasted with like essentially a person who seems to be like a normal popular girl it's like just right really yeah strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i thought this scene was played really cute too like i love willow's sheer terror at how like forward kennedy is because like mm-hmm. that, that terror was how i always felt in bed t- bed sharing situations as a teenager where i was like <laughs> Can, can we can we share a bed is that okay like i was very closeted um but yeah it's 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 cute and like i actually really like kennedy's dynamic in this whole episode i was kind of surprised because i didn't remember liking her that much but re-watching this i was like oh kennedy <laughs> right yeah i i was telling our editor ashley i texted her before this because i was like i have a lot of pro kennedy propaganda bro that i'm bringing to this episode <laughs> Because she is like the capable one, and mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate. Because also, I would probably be the scared yelling one. Like, let's be real. I'm not saying I relate to that because that's not me. Uh, but I appreciate there being one who is like, you know, when Buffy's like, "All right, everyone, run." Kennedy says, "I'll stay here and help," and she's mm-hmm. like, "No, no, no, you go too." Like she, she's not just saying that. She's just like, "Great, when what do I do to help?" Like, let me. I'm, you know, she knows how to use the crossbow when Buffy hands it to her, and. If I were a scared teenager, a potential Slayer scared teenager, I would appreciate there being one that's, like, willing to do the fighting while I could be, like, terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I liked her a lot. Like, she was... Oh, I... But... Now, see, I don't have the um, I, I, like Cameron. I, the the first few seasons of Buffy were really important to me, but then I did fall off. I didn't mm-hmm. see that the so I don't I don't have a lot of like attachment. I don't I don't know what happens with her after this, but okay. in um in this episode, she was the one of the sort of Greek chorus of scared girls that was like not a scared girl. I was like, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, can I curse on this? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck yeah, then. Um, yeah, she was awesome. I liked her, and I liked. Um, they were clearly doing some exposition with the "I come from a wealthy family" thing. Yeah. Um, that was like, okay, we're laying pipe here, but all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like, do you, do you know how to use one of these? And I was like, yeah, since I was eight. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, <laughs> right? You <know>? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get their like cute flirting. She, yeah. There's a lot of like. At the top of this episode, especially post-credits, there's a lot of that where they're, like, laying plot. And, like, Kennedy gives, like, Mm her, uh, we had wings in my house. The wings had wings. I have Mm -hmm. a a sibling, but I never saw them. Um, And then, like, she says, like, oh, if I wanted to be sleeping, I'd be downstairs with the other girls. And we see that they're not sleeping. Um, And they're kind of all discussing, which I didn't realize. uh, Kirsten, I don't know if you, I forgot that we don't see... Like Felicia Day's character V is just kind of there. We don't see her get there. Yeah, um, no, they they don't show up. So we've got Lelaine, we've got Felicia Day, and we've got the bad accent ones. Yes. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. I actually made it in my notes. Do we know if fake Cockney accent girl dies horribly later? Because I want her to. Yeah. Um. When they when they approach me about writing a, a Buffy series set after season seven, they're like, "You can use a potential from season seven if you want to," and I was like, "Sure, don't." Um, 
But yeah, it's it's fun seeing like baby Felicia Day. Yeah. And, yes. and yeah, so that they're having their they're having their like oh no, we're having a scared sleepover with like exhausted dad Xander begging them to please go to sleep. Um I do like that version of Xander. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get uh Andrew. I, I like the reveals of like Xander is trying to sleep on the couch, and then we see uh Andrew still tied up in the chair. Um to which I gotta tell this story because Tom Lank has told me this. That so Andrew says I'm bored episode one bored and because Tom Lank is a theater gay not like a comic gay he had no idea what that reference was <laughs> when he delivered that line he thought it was a meta reference to the first episode of Buffy not to Star <laughs> Wars episode one which I love yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rona arrives and then we get like you said Kelly Sue we get a lot more of that exposition dump where it's like suddenly now Buffy is like hey Giles I need to know more and they're like doing the thing where they're talking about it. Um, I did also think like the potential slayers and you know, the Scoobies technically they are only Kirsten. What they're like 21 at this point, maybe 22. I think so. Yeah. I mean the timeline timelines get iffy. Yeah. I was thinking like, all right, I guess like they could all survive with no sleep, but I would be so fucking grumpy. I'd be like, Oh, please let me sleep. Like there's one bathroom in this house. I need to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like Rona kind of gets, Rona meets everyone, Buffy and Giles. They bring up Beljoxa's eye, which I guess will be kind of important for this episode, but then yeah. never again. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the B plot that is yeah. like technically a, a Z plot. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so, so then we talk about, Andrew even says, like, how is Buffy going to get Spike back with the Uber vamp guarding him? And the potentials are kind of like, why do you want to get Spike? This is where... The season, and Cameron, I'll be curious what you think as well. The season gets a little clunky when it comes to Spike, who is a character I do love, but like, I also am like, Buffy can't even explain why she needs to save Spike. And also, I don't understand why the first wouldn't just kill him. That is a great question. Also, why does his hair look like that? <laughs> is a question I have been wondering <laughs> since. For Listen. 25 years, apparently, coming <laughs> up in March. <laughs> Spike is still, still does it for my, like, angsty teen heart. I'm like, oh. You like it? I mean, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I I had that color for a while a couple years ago when I was uh, going through a divorce. You know how it is. Sometimes right, you yeah. have to have that color the, hair. The bleaching um, your hair, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the, fa- the, like, curliness that's combed straight back, it's it's never sat right with me. Uh, like, I guess the other option for that hair that's bleached is, like, a sort of a more ramen noodles Justin Timberlake idea. Right. But, like, anyway, that, that was one of my bigger uh, questions about the episode. But also, yeah, what is – how is Spike functioning in the universe at this point? Like, because right. I, I have sort of lost track of what is his – what are they trying to use him for, the first? That's, like, never – what are they trying to do with him? He's a uh, what? He's a Kirsten. Do you have an answer to that? Because I don't. Um, yeah, my answer to that is season seven overall plotting was a mess. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> I say this with all due respect to the writers who are phenomenal, but but the pacing and the plotting in season seven was it was messy, and yeah. I think Spike was a big part of that because they tried to play with the whole like oh he's a double agent but he doesn't know he is. Um, where he's secretly killing people, but but yeah, Buffy's the Buffy's anxiety to get him back as if he would serve a purpose if he were on their side Mm, it's flimsy i mean i really think all they needed to do was show the potentials of photo and be like look at these cheekbones 
<laughs> we need these cheekbones back. And yeah. I would have been like, okay, that's fair. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was kind of a we need Spike back because we've decided that we need Spike back. Um, you know, yeah. So, so he doesn't have a particular purpose when he's like, like it, it almost looks like an alien setup where something's going to launch out of his chest, but he's just being held there for no reason. Yeah. Well, they, they use his blood to open up the thing to bring out a Turokan. Um, but only Got one. Got it. Got it. <laughs> it's like, it's like a vending machine. You can only yeah. get one out at a time. Um, Kelly Sue, how'd you feel about that? Like out of context, like since you don't know season seven that well, like having spiked there, like as a writer, what did you think of that plot? Well, I assumed that there was something that I missed and that he was part of like, you know, the, the, the recipe for the apocalypse. Well, we, you know, we need to have one vampire with a soul. And, right. you know, I, so I assumed that there was some actual payoff for, for that. Um, I, I like, I, I, I love that dude. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> I, but, you know, I, I do lament some, but it, I, uh, I'm, I'm qualifying this because I have tremendous sympathy for having to write seven seasons yeah, of a show, right. you know, yeah. like at this point, it like, yeah, it kind of falls apart. Cause you know what there's, it's done. Like there's, you know, <laughs> you, you've kind of run your course. Like so fair. Um, but <laughs> uh, I was so into Spike and Drusilla um, mm-hmm. that I, I, there's, there's this thing that happens in a, a lot of popular culture that is like when we love a bad guy, we make them a good guy. Yeah. And like, oh no, 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 don't do that. Like, <laughs> I, 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 so there's some part of me that regrets Spike being a good guy at all. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I just remembered dur- as we were chatting that like. You know, she Drusilla had like the best manicure on the planet. She had like like <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It was like a French manicure, but with it was like black with red tips, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh I, I like I wanted that. And I remember going to um like a, a Korean manicurist trying to explain what I wanted and they were like, No, no, you don't that's gonna look creepy. I'm like, Yes, yes. Well, but, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I assumed that there was something about it that I didn't understand, um, that because I, I hadn't seen uh, the other sets on either side. I will um, say just your brief, oh, I thought maybe they needed a vampire with a soul. That line would have completely explained it. If the first was like, we need him to get our plot because uh, he's a vampire with a soul, that would have like solved the annoyance yeah. of why are they keeping him alive? That's a yeah. super easy fix. Yeah. 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 Wow, Kelly Sue, you just fixed season seven. There you go. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I do I think about that a lot, Kelly Sue, with um because like, you know, you've written a lot of comics as well. I, I always think like X-Men and Buffy do that a lot where it's like, ooh, this character's popular. Now they're gonna be on the good guy's side, and it's like we can keep them bad. Um yeah. but I, I do I there's something about like season five spike where he's like kinda bad, but like is in like in love with Buffy that I really love. Like that for me was like the best version where like, mm-hmm. Oh, he like has a crush on the good guy, but is still bad. Like I like that dynamic. Sure. Yeah. That's great. That's interesting. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so we, we move on. Where are we? Uh, oh, Anya and Giles are yeah. going to Bill Jackson's eye. Um, I, I mean, Can we this- talk for a minute about the jilted lover. Those emptying the trash. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, <laughs> yes. please do. Because I think he was my favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love whenever the show does that joke of like, he's like, ew, you're a human now. You look gross. Like you yeah. were hot as a demon, but ew, I don't like humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I only get so many good bo- so many good quotes. Like he said, you were wearing pink and she was like, those were entrails. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a, that is a disgusting and amazing line. And like Anya doesn't get a lot to do this season, but I do think they really nail down like when she gets something, even if it's like a two minute scene, they give her very good lines. They do. They do. That must have been a fun role. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and she gets the the thing they do really well with Anya is that like she's exact, she's like exhausted by all their shit, but is like, yes, I'll help. And I love when she says to the guy, like, I'll go out on a date with you. I'll have sex with you. And then she's like, you're rejecting my offer of sexual bribery? What am I, a leper in this town? I can't even give it away. Like, I just love her so much. It also is like, I have to say, like, yes, that is a great line. It also, to me, it felt so creepy that Giles is just standing there for that. (laughs) That is very strange and I don't know what they were supposed to do with that character in that moment, because I get that the joke works and it's fun, but it is very weird. It is very strange. <laughs> it, it is, but I like went down this whole, like, well, I mean, I guess for demons, maybe it's different. I, you know, like, I don't know. It's a whole thing. <laughs> there was a weird moment, though, where her dialogue is not matching up. I actually thought my Netflix or my Hulu was out of sync. Um, and so I wonder what was originally there because her mouth is moving and it is not the words that are coming out of her mm, mouth. That's huh. interesting. So, so maybe maybe originally there was a reason for Giles to just be standing there like, this is an acceptable transaction. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, who knows? So she, she, says, she says, Giles, nothing to see here. And then that's put it's replaced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do think Giles is so immune to her like yeah. ridiculousness at this point that he's like, all right, she's offering him sex in exchange for sure, sure, sure. Like, mm-hmm. just let's keep this moving. I want to get the gateway open. Because uh-huh. um, Giles is like the most patient dad. Um, and so I feel like he's used to their just like, re- like, I feel like the only one that really pisses him off is like Xander. That's the only one that yeah. he's like. Which is fair. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So then Giles straight up threatens the demon, which, you know, when Giles gets all threatening, I'm like, mm hmm, yeah. That's <laughs> yes. like for me, library daddy. Um, I really do need more Giles in my life. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the portal opens. They go through. It's plain black. Love it. Must have been a really cheap set day. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a fan. There was a fan. There was. Yes. There was a fan. Yes. That is a, that is a line item. Very much a fan. Um, and then we cut to Willow getting a phone call from her favorite coven. Yes. She learns that another potential had arrived in town like the prior day or two days ago, right? So she goes to tell Buffy, and then we see. I I love anytime Buffy and Andrew have to interact because yes. it's almost like Buffy is taking the Giles role in those scenes because she's just no matter what he's saying she's very annoyed mm-hmm. um, and he like she would be better if he just left Sunnydale like if he could like be like I'll be good and I'll leave like she would be much happier <laughs> um, he gives the little like misery misery spiel and I I don't know I like that the the, the looks that she gives him of like God you're not shutting up you're still mm-hmm. talking are very good. Mm-hmm. And I like that he's like overly eager to help. Like yeah. when they're like, well, we're going to go find out. He's like, great, let's go. Oh, or I'll just wash up. Like, okay. <laughs> I do find Andrew very endearing. Like I, I, right. I get annoyed with season seven where they introduce so many new characters because I feel like it takes away from the focus on our core Scoobies who we love. Like they're the reason we watch the show. Right. right. But, but I do find Andrew a good addition. Like he's very endearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cameron, how do you feel about Andrew? 
Well, again, literally like no memory of this character. Is he supposed to be gay? Yes. Wait, you I mean, really don't remember him? <laughs> no, I mean, I like no Tom. Like, like I literally, I, it's like, I, I, it's like, I don't even remember that he exists. I know, <laughs> I know Tom Link. I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know who this person is. But yeah, he's gay. He's gay. Yeah. Well, they don't. It's like I a wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the comics, there's like a scene where he comes out. Um, Got it. Oh, I, I think asked they were... like an important question. Because I think for me, that was one thing I was very clear, very curious about was like, did they then decide that it was okay to have a gay dude character on the show? Because again, that would have, it's like, I just think a lot about, look, I'm like a, if I'm nothing, if not a scholar of queerness and, <laughs> um, you know, Allie, Allie McBeal, like everybody was doing their like kiss between women. Mm. Um, but nobody was doing their kisses between men at the mm-hmm. time. So right. having like a, an out gay male character would have been a huge deal. So if he's, if it's just subtext, fine, that makes sense. That sounds like probably what we would have gotten at this at the time. Yeah, and it was very typical subtext, like, oh, he's very clearly in love with his straight best friend who's an evil mastermind who doesn't care about him. You know, t- typical. Um, yeah. Who among us hasn't been in love with right. a straight <laughs> mastermind? Um, yeah, yeah. No, definitely definitely not. Yeah, he, he's gay, but he's not. It's yeah, not I think they, addressed. I think at this point they let, aside from the fact that he they make him an uber nerd, I think they kind of let him lean into, like, they let Andrew and Tom Lank become a little bit blurry of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works. Yeah, I I enjoy Andrew. Um, so we cut to the potentials in the basement. Eve is giving her scare the girls speech. Everyone's getting worked up. Uh, Vi, mentioned, Vi mentions that there was a, another Slayer somewhere, aka Faith. Um, and again, this is... Kennedy is like the the one that's like not scared, but like the rest of them are getting scared. And I, this is where I started to be like, wait, but I like Kennedy here. I yeah, like this mm-hmm. episode. Like she's, she's, I mean, she's not like being an asshole to them, but she's just like, Hey, like this is what it is. Like everyone calm down and everyone else is freaking out. Understandably. Is it understandably? <laughs> yeah, <go> <laughs> Technically nothing Eva's saying is wrong. Like potentials really are just lining up for when the Slayer dies, it's their turn to die. Um, which is how the Slayer line works. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks to be a potential. Um, I guess my question though is like, what's the alternative, right? So that's the one thing yeah. that kind of bugged me about this this part of the episode and like the episode in general is all of the it honestly, I'm gonna use the word whining. Yes. Um, because it's yes. like Yo, they're outside, dude. Like, you know, I mean, that we're not there yet in terms of scene by scene. But it's like, it it does feel like they're a little bit in a moment of like, well, do we have to do this? But it's like, well, no, I guess not. But it's like, but then you'll just die now. Like, if what you're afraid of is death, (laughs) then fight. Because it's either death with a fight or it's just death with no fight. I feel like... Mm -hmm. Are they confused about the choices that they have? That seems to be true. Yeah, <laughs> in a weird I, I way. That yeah. was why. That was why I was like, "Oh, you're just stalling." Which was, was yeah. just, this is it, yes. It was like this doesn't. It's like motivationally, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense that there's nobody going like you know how the fuck is this helpful? You know, like yeah. Um, and just from a larger, I don't know, gestalt of the show, like it feels as though there's there's something about them that it shouldn't be completely random that these people are chosen to be potential slayers. Right. So there should be something about them that makes them worthy of this gift. Mm -hmm. And 
none of these people, they all seem so lame, you know? <laughs> just, like, at this point, you're like, you're just bitching about shit. Like, why? Mm-hmm. I don't like you. I feel like we're just babysitting you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say that is the general consensus on potentials. Like, people don't, they don't like them and they're, like, too whiny. Yeah. Um, and you do make a good point. Like, if they are worthy of being the chosen one, quote unquote, then, like, like what what entails being worthy then if it's just like seems like random people i will say when i watched this season live i didn't understand that they didn't have slayer powers yet mm-hmm. like i thought oh their potentials it just means they're not the slayer but they still have like super strength and like can run fast and whatever but they're not supposed to they're just supposed to be regular teen girls right kirsten yeah so potentials Um, In the mythology, potentials are maybe a little bit more coordinated, a little bit stronger than normal, um, but they don't have full Slayer powers and they will never get full Slayer powers unless the Slayer dies and they're the ones that get pulled up next in like the mystic musical chairs game, I guess. Um, But they do have Watchers, right? Some of them do. So some of the potentials are identified very early on by the Watchers Council Seers and they're found and they're trained from youth, but some of them aren't. So like Buffy was not discovered until she was officially a slayer. So she didn't have any training. She didn't have any background. Whereas you have slayers like Kendra, um, who was identified very young and trained alongside her watcher and was fully prepared to be a slayer when she was called to be a slayer. So okay. it's, it's kind of one of those, like they're trained unless they're not. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Buffy and Xander had left to go find whatever, the slayer is they we see oh the next scene we get andrew and dawn um and this again hits on the beat of why are people saying why is she saving spike Mm -hmm. um dawn kind of gets defensive even though you know dawn kind of agrees because dawn had been talking about this in like the previous episodes like she mentioned like but what are we like at what point does she kill spike if he's killing people like what yeah. like and then she even says the willow in like two episodes prior to this oh we're waiting for him to something to do something crazy like what murder people cuz he's already doing that <laughs> and andrew does also make a point of like he could be a little useful to them like he's very eager to help mm-hmm. and then i like that like dawn just gets pissy and is like buffy said if you talk too much i can kill you and then andrew goes on his uh james bond rant yeah which i don't know if any of you i i just happened to see it in the buffy wiki so i always look at it before recording so i had no idea what he said when he's like the brock like something about the broccoli i was like what the fuck is that apparently that's the family that produced all the james bond movies yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what else they also made broccoli wait oh, really hey. or is that a bit <laughs> no it's totally true like, i think this is actually true i'm serious <laughs> hang on i'm gonna look this up i think this is actually true because they are the producers of the James Bond movies, but hang on. I think they, I'm serious. I think that they are also broccoli. If I'm wrong about this, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> so, if you're wrong, you're going to hang up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's a, while you're looking it up, my, my, my husband, um, did a revamp of Iron Fist, Marvel's Iron Fist, uh, a mm-hmm. while back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when, you're going through kind of rebooting a character or bringing a character back. There's you read through all of the old stuff and you sort of decide what you're going to keep and what you're not going to keep. And a lot of people feel compelled to uh, retcon out what they're not going to keep. And our philosophy is that you just kind of ignore it. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Kunlun, which is the, it's this magic world where Iron Fist powers come from. um, There is, there are 
broccoli people, people that sort of look like broccoli and it <laughs> makes it really kind of stupid. And so we, shorthand in our household for elements of continuity that we are not going to keep are broccoli people. So, <laughs> um, so if you find out that they are not actually attached to uh, the the uh, farming uh, of broccoli or, I don't know, development of broccoli, maybe they were gene splicers, um, then I <laughs> right. think that your story is better. So we will we will make the retcon of broccoli <laughs> mm-hmm. people thing mm-hmm. and just go with it. Well, okay. What I have found out is that this is not from nowhere. This is like okay. not nothing. There is <laughs> like Albert Broccoli might be a descendant is is popularly <laughs> believed to be a descendant of the Italian family with the surname Broccoli that developed Broccoli. Okay. So it's not I'm not I didn't make that up out of nowhere. Okay. Um that being said, one of the surface one of the you know, it's we we've got we've got some different I'm gonna have to do a deeper dive. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, but it is such a specific name. Like there's there's gotta be a connection, right? Yeah. Well no. that's what I'm saying. It's it's the descendant thing is out there. It's yes. the internet is agreeing with me. But also, you know, I would imagine listeners to this show, I know the type of person that might listen to a show like this. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> just go ahead and at me when you say something. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> All right. I, I feel like, and Kirsten, I know you want to move us along because we do need to move along. I do feel like, Kelly Sue, wasn't there something in either the MCU or maybe in X-Men that recently like talked about those broccoli people? If there was, I'm mad about it. I think, wait, I think it might have been the Modoc show on Hulu that okay. like there was a bit about broccoli people and I thought it was completely made up. Yes, actually, I think that's what it was. And Daniel Kibblesmith tweeted about the broccoli people and I was like, wait, that's canon? And he was like, yeah, they're real aliens in the like Marvel universe. Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. Okay. So Don gets to give a great line. Andrew says, I'm so alone. And Don gets to just ass say to him, maybe you shouldn't have killed your only friend. Fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. Love you, Don. Like harsh but true. <laughs> yeah. Harsh but true. We jump to Botox's eye, mm-hmm. um, who's speaking in like this really mystic way. But then when they contradict it, it shifts to like very like, what are you talking about? Um, and basically the gist of what Botox's eye says to them is – um, mystical forces around the Slayer have become unstable, which is how I feel about my own writing process right now. Um, and that it's their fault. It's their fault that the first now is empowered enough to manifest on the physical plane and is coming after them because Buffy dying once was okay, but Buffy dying twice and coming back was not okay. So mm. there we go. Right. Yeah. The plot Resolved. Resolved. There we go. That's it. And then we yeah. never talk about that again, right? We never <laughs> talk about that again. Yeah. It, it is kind of finger wavy too, right? Yeah, it's right. Like, 100%. It's, it's like the things are unstable. It's not, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not, it's uh, different now because yes. things, and that makes things happen that open up possibilities. So anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Things happened. <laughs> yeah. So then we get the table discussion scene where everybody's complaining and whining and and I love this scene because you know you can see the moment Buffy checks out, and I love Xander's what that you then later. Oh wait, no, we didn't get that yet. We didn't get that yet because we first get Buffy and Xander arriving back home from oh, finding Eve dead. Because there's a weird beat that I love when like Buffy walks in the living room and Andrew takes his feet off the couch and wipes it, and she just like 
is annoyed. Yeah. Um, and then she runs down and like, I will say when Buffy is like the one getting stern, I love it. I love when she's like, yeah. get away from them. And like, she's very like, shut up and get out. Like she's not having the like superhero banter here. Mm-hmm. She's just like, get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you gone. So I like that. But yes, then we get the, everyone's talking in the in the dining room. Everyone's freaking out. Uh, we get Xander's what moment and Buffy, Willow and Xander kind of go into the kitchen and you like, they... This is like a predecessor, I feel like, to the finale, right? Where it's like, they're all at Sunnydale, and then we get the flashback to the speech. I feel like they're mm-hmm. kind of doing that here. Yeah. Um, because they play it as though the characters are just like, fuck. Yeah. But really, they're like having a conversation. And we, I was trying to think, I was like, did we see Willow do this before? But she did. In season six, that was how she like, the Scoobies all went like vamp hunting together when Buffy was dead. Like they showed her like in their heads. That's right. But But is it just like on all the time? Because right. Buffy's like, Willow, can you hear me? And she's like, yeah, sure can. Like, is she just like low frequency listening in on them all the time? Right, because I would hate that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's such like a magic of convenience plot point, which is fine. I, I can be okay with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then we find out, you know, the, the Turkhan's coming that night. Everybody's scared. There are bringers guarding the house. Um, where we get this excellent line where one of the, one of the potentialists asks, what's the point? And they say, that end. <laughs> Classic. Classic, yeah. I, I like the weapon dispersal scene. It's a good scene. Yes, yes, yes. I do. And I confess to having like a special place in my heart for crossbows um, mm-hmm. to the point where like my assistant actually has a Google alert set up for crossbow murders. Um, <laughs> How often does that come up? Yeah. Well, not often enough, if you ask me. Okay. But- <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 pretty great when it does um I so love yeah this reveal that you're that you love crossbows <laughs> oh yeah it's the best because <laughs> who, who does that who's like yeah that, but apparently a lot of people there's a whole again another podcast but <laughs> keep a list but i i want to i want to listen to that podcast all yeah. right Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get, I mean, I already mentioned this, but Kennedy's like, yeah, I know how to use this crossbow. She loads crossbow. She's good at it. We get Andrew being like, can I have a weapon? And she hands him holy water. Yeah. I, I, I like the, like, it does feel a little, um, the writing is a little clunky, I think, because it's just suddenly like the sun's going down. Some mm-hmm. like they're going to come and it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, we've been spinning our wheels this whole episode and now it's like, okay, everybody get ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, you know. It's fine. I do really like the like Kennedy trying to flirt in the hallway with Willow and Willow shuts it down really hard because like the whole like, oh, sometimes you're bad. And Willow's like, no, sometimes I'm legitimately bad and it's not sexy. Um, I mean, some of us might still find it sexy, but. um, (laughs) She asks how's evil taste and Willow's like a little chalky, which feels like a very Buffy interaction. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, The Tarakan arrives and Willow does her spell to put up the barrier Smashes kind of through it. Buffy tells everyone to run. They get out. And then they like run out of the back door. There's bringers in the backyard. They fight them. Um, I do appreciate that all of this was the plan, right? Like mm-hmm. one assumes that the barrier falling, Buffy fighting it in the street and then kind of running off. That's yeah. all part of her plan, which I like. Um, but it also feels really mean, especially to Dawn. Yes. You didn't tell Dawn the plan. If there has ever been a moment when Dawn has the right to be pissed, it would be right now because I would be very pissed at being like, I'm an actual Scooby. I am your literal sister and you didn't clue me in on the plan. Like, 
right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because again, then what, how resonant would it, its showtime really be <laughs> if more and more people became aware? That's true. That's true. I mean, they really did have to earn that line. They, they, and they sure did. <laughs> Damn it, I love that you love that line. And I love the drama, but I love that the floodlights come on. Like they they, you know, they they had the staging. She mm-hmm. was like up high on the platform and like she leaned in. And I appreciate that about her. She was like, it really genuinely was showtime. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Something else that I will mention, it's very nice that they're it's so fully lit. Um, but is you know, it's just been a long time since I watched this show. And the punching in the fighting, just the punching specifically is like so utterly hilarious. It was really fun to watch. I have no idea uh, anything about stage combat, but I don't think that your arm has to come all the way behind you or off to the side in order to land a great punch. But in (laughs) this show, it does. Like Uh each punch is delivered from, I would call, helicopter position. Um, And it's just really incredible. It is. It is. We also get one of my very favorite Buffy lines of all time in this. And when she says, I'm the thing that monsters have nightmares about, like, that's a good good line. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's a good line, but also is like true, right? Yeah. Like vampires are like, oh shit, the Slayer, gotta go. Like monsters know what the, like, what the Slayer is and who she is. So like... It's an earned line as well. So that's, yeah, I really like that line. Um, And yeah, Willow does give her its showtime line before they climb up the scaffolding. And Buffy says something like, welcome to Thunderdome. And then we cut to Andrew, who's like, two men enter, one man leaves. I thought that was Mm -hmm. a little cheesy, but I like it. But do you think he felt bad? He's like, oh, I'm not allowed to make infinite movie references, but she can? Like, (laughs) (laughs) We get a lot of shots of Dawn kind of like figuring out, right? We get like... And then we do like have her say to Willow, she's like, wait, this was a plan all along. Like Dawn gets there pretty quickly, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And then we do get the flashback of them talking, you know, in their heads and whatever. Well, there's your answer for why didn't they tell Dawn was because they needed somebody to put it together so that we could see the flashbacks. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> also that. <laughs> it's true. The explication. Mm-hmm. So I... So then I I do like the fight here. I I don't know. I think it's it feels a little bit more brutal than most yeah. of the Buffy fights. And um, there are definitely some funny scenes like what was with the pole vaulting? She didn't pole vault into anything. She just pole vaulted and then landed. <laughs> Listen, she was showboating. That's <laughs> true. It was a very showboaty fight, which I appreciate. You know, heads were smashing into cinder blocks. You know, they're just trading face punch. The, the helicopter punch is exactly right. They were just helicopter punching each other back and forth, like really taking turns with it, which I felt was really respectful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I wanted the, I wanted the wipe the blood off the lip moment though, which I mean, in fairness, I, I kind of just want to live in the wipe the blood off the lip moment. That's everything <laughs> yeah. I'm seeking in every film ever. But yes. like, when, you know, when she's like, she was waiting to get properly pissed off. You know, um, yeah. and like, like that, that moment where the heroine is like, she's down and you see her come up and the, like, like, okay, now I'm ready. Like that was, <laughs> I wanted that. I wanted that. Like, oh, she just had to get there. Um, <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't quite get that, but. Um, yeah, there, there was almost the sense that she was just like letting the fight go on to really make a point at the end. 
But yeah, you know, I just well, wondered, like, wouldn't that hurt your hands if you're pulling on barbed wire hard enough to decapitate someone? <laughs> that would really mess up your hands. She's a slayer, Kirsten. I, I know, but I just, you know, it just I, it seems like it would hurt. I, I, I do like that the kind of thesis of the thing was this is how it's going to work. It sucks yeah. and you almost die, but you win in the end. I'm like, mm-hmm. I like, I liked that a lot. The problem was I felt like they didn't, I didn't trust that was the plan all along. Um, from from the, like the writer's perspective, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like I felt mm-hmm. like they like like if that had been the idea, there was a we could have done that a little better. We could have tightened that up. Um, yeah. It was, felt felt like this was and look, TV's produced on a very quick schedule, so it is mm-hmm. what it is. And, and you know, as somebody who writes things serially, so that sometimes you figure out what you were doing and you know, you need, you realize you need to go back to something in, in issue one, but issue one has been on the stands for months, you know, like, oh, well, I can't actually put the gun on the mantle now. Um, (laughs) Like, I get it. But, but as we sort of look at these things with a critical eye, with the idea that, oh, no, there was infinite time to produce it, which there wasn't, you know, like, I would, I would have liked, there, there is a version of this where I feel where I feel that moment and that idea, which I di- which I think is actually really interesting and really mm-hmm. resonant, mm-hmm. Um, and and really resonant today, right? While we're living yeah. through um, hand waves in the air, yeah, like war on m- many fronts, kind of constant apocalypse threat. Yeah, her having that moment where she says, you know, like no, 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 it just it sucks, and we win. Um, right, was like I I do quite like that yeah yeah um you know kelly i also kelsey i also feel like it's it would have been something that would have helped with this is like and it's if you like the the going down on one knee and then picking your head up and wiping mm-hmm. the blood off the lip moment i think another moment that is one of my personal favorites i love a good training montage mm-hmm. and instead of them like sort of uselessly boxing in the basement it would another thing that would have been interesting is like, let's just say we get to rewrite this, some parts of this. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had actually been training, like yeah. almost under Eve's tutelage and started to feel like they're trusting her and starting mm-hmm. to feel like they can do this. And then it's revealed that she's not one of them. Like, I think that is a, not actually a, from the South. Like, <laughs> exactly. I yeah. think that would have been, uh, would have made so much more sense in terms of their like loss of confidence because. Yeah, I feel like also for me, if I was, I mean, again, it's like, I don't live in this universe, but there is also the world that, that people might be excited when they get this call. Like, wait, mm-hmm. I'm like able to do this. You're fucking kidding me. Right. And like, yeah. To let that play out seems interesting and then have that taken away. So like when we reboot Buffy, you and I, mm-hmm. this is how we'll do this episode. I'm is that, like, so down for that. <laughs> okay. We'll do the training montage part, the betrayal, yes. and then you'll you know, beautifully script this like classic. Yeah. Like the, the scrunchy and, moment, like, you know, when your mom's yeah. like, Oh, fuck it. I'm putting my hair up. Like, I, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely. Yes, exactly. When your mom or Jason Momoa says that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Listen, you're not allowed to leave me and Kirsten out of that writer's room though. Okay, <laughs> okay great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have, I have openly said that was, that's the only thing that I will ever go to LA for work for is a reboot. Um, yeah. So no, I think, I think Kelly C, I think you summed it up beautifully. Like that end speech is awesome and powerful and a great thesis, maybe not supported 
by the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is a great ending. So, yeah. um, and then we have sort of the, like, epilogue of Spike in the Cave. Buffy yeah. stands in front of him for so long that <laughs> and cutting him free. Really like, maybe she does still resent him a little bit because that was a really long time to just be standing there with a knife. Like, do you yeah. think it's me, huh? <laughs> Is it? Is it? Am I going to catch you free? <laughs> but, you I, know, James Marsters is acting the hell out of that scene, even with like one eye swollen shut. The expressions he's giving are great. Yes. Great. I, I can remember when this, I actually said that, like, I remember when this aired, like, crying because I loved Spike so much. Being oh. Like, oh, look, he's so happy she's there. <laughs> oh, also just want to, we didn't mention this, um, which is that when he says she will come for me, like, I mean, actually, I almost could cry because yeah. I, we've just never, we just don't get those moments. Like, it's like, it's never she will come for me. It's never a dude saying that. Yes. Look, in the world of heterosexuality, in the world of cisgender heterosexuality, I got to say, that was my, that's my dream moment. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? In yeah. my real dreams, everything's gay. But in, my, <laughs> in qualifying it as. <laughs> if it has to be heterosexual. It, it, has, it has to be straight. Yes. Let it be that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that I think for me is the saving grace of both Spike and Angel as love interests. Like they've got a lot of issues, but at their core, the thing they love about Buffy is, is her strength. Mm-hmm. Like neither of them is threatened by that strength. They both are really into it. So yeah. like, yeah, I love that. I love that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also want to point out, so we, inter- I, back in like August interviewed um, Camden Toy, who is the Tarakan in this scene. And he said that when, uh, they had to do the like barbed wire scene that Sarah kept not doing it tight enough because she was worried to like hurt him. And in prosthetics, he had to look up at her and be like, no, I'm fine. Don't worry. You're not hurting me at all. <laughs> so she could like do it tighter. And I like the idea of like the monster looking up at Sarah Michelle Gallery and be like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. It's Keep okay. going. Like- <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and now for a quick break. Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so, they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with the code Super Slayer Fest, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies, y'all. And now for a fashion roundup of Showtime, we have season seven costume designer, Matt Van Dyne. Hello, Matt. Hi. Hi. Hi, everybody. Nice to... Kind of see you all again, but not really. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what do you have for us for the season seven episode, Showtime? Showtime. Well, you know, okay, you know how I do this, Ian, is that I I, um, watch my DVDs that I have, (laughs) 
And uh, I, I'm watching the episode, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember, kind of remember. And then, bam, at the end, oh, the the fight in the where whatever it is in the pit or where, yeah. wherever they are. I'm like, oh, I remember that. I know exactly where that was because it was over in uh, Burbank, uh, Calif- you know, out here in California in Burbank. And there, there was a construction site there. And I thought, now, why did I end up? Because I didn't always go on location, mm. but but I did go to that location, and I guess the reason was it was probably on the way home. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> so I remember going to that location, and I, I there's a big building there now. It's it's you know I, I go by that area all the time. You know sometimes for you know certain things at a hardware store that I go to over there and things. And I often think of of that uh, evening when we were shooting there. And I think if you notice, I laughed. I thought, "Well, Sarah looks very warm. She <laughs> she she was she had several layers on you know, the, the black leather jacket and uh, I think a turtleneck, as I recall, of some kind. I believe she had on. Yeah, I, I think throughout the episode, it's like the layers keep getting put on keep and on. Yes, keep getting more. Yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting to me. Yeah, but I, but I do, I, I did remember that that site, and it's funny when I submitted. I just had had a thought when I submitted uh, an episode. I think it was for Emmy nominations, mm-hmm. and we I made up or had somebody do it actually, uh, like a collage and i remember there's a photo from that episode you know on the collage you know with with her in the barbed wire i think doesn't she like dust? Yeah. yeah okay that's the one, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. but uh, but yeah but that's what really stood out i went oh yeah i remember that and then um a lot of you know i dug into my um archives again you know looking you know like for purchases and Different things, and most most of everything that I had a record of on this episode was really for the the potentials, uh, because I think a lot of the wardrobe we already had in stock, and I would have to really I could find it. I'd have to go really backward, and then you know try to find you know the certain outfits you know for the principal players. But most of the principal players had been previously pur- purchased by that time. Except oh, yeah. for maybe, uh, yeah, for uh, Nicholas uh, uh, Xander, mm. I, I did see where, you know, we bought a lot of his clothing. It seemed like a lot of the clothing on this episode came from J. Crew, And okay. and his uh, uh, plaid shirt and sweaters and things, those all came from J. Crew. I have like a, it says a dark blue rib sweater. It was $39.50. Uh, a green and tan uh, J. Crew plaid shirt. I believe it's in this episode. If it's not this episode, it might be the upcoming episode. It's a uh, nineteen. It was nineteen ninety five. I thought, boy, that was fairly inexpensive. And um, and then for the Slayers, the the pajamas. A lot of the pajamas came from uh, J Crew, slippers and PJs. And I I had like a group total, more or less. Of we spent around five hundred and. $40.82, it says, at J. Crew, And then also, a lot of the Slayer's pajamas came from The Gap, which was another $306.35. Hmm. And, uh, and then when I was watching the episode, I noticed, um, I think it's the character is Chloe, I believe. Okay, yeah. And 
uh, a brown shirt with kind of a face or something. Yes. On it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then I'm when I'm watching the episode, I make notes to myself as I'm watching it. And I'll write down, well, this person's wearing that, that, and that. And then I'm, and in my notes, I wrote out to the side, Urban Outfitters? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> and sure enough, I go back into the, uh, you know, the uh, the log that I have of all all of the purchases, and it is Urban Outfitters. It's uh, uh, thirty two dollars <laughs> came from right. from Urban Outfitters, but a lot of the potentials, uh, Chloe and Ivy, uh, all came from the t- their t shirts. All came from Urban Outfitters, and. Also, I noticed to see there was a, a thermal that uh, purchased for um, Kennedy, mm. and that came from Saks, and that was that was what was it, about one hundred and eighty five dollars for a oh, thermal. Shit. That's a that's pretty expensive thermal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought so too. But uh, and then oh, I was you know I'm like, well, who is Eve? And then I finally dawned on me who eve is eve is the one because it says eve you know i was looking at some of the notes before i watched the episode too and it says eve dead clothes i think that was in my notes somewhere <laughs> yeah dead, dead clothes and uh, sure enough um that's she you know has been offed before you know we realize right. who she is and her clothes all came from j crew as well okay and then uh the the uber vamps uh the unitards uh, again, you know, dance studio. You know, we we went back there and uh, got some more unitards. At this point, how many of those would you have had to have made? Uh, the Uber vamps. How yeah, many? Mm, I don't know. By then, I'm not. We had made quite a few, I think, but certainly not. You know, um, right? What the army that was coming, you know, what that was going to be, you know, uh, in the final episode. Yeah, but but we did did kind of have a template for for them, of course, you know. And I, I have a note saying uh, something about buying um, uh, art supplies for painting the Uber vamps, you know. So I, I I have that, you know, like found that in the petty cash logs that we were uh, buying art supplies so we could, uh, you know, make make the Uber vamps uh, yeah. look, you know, distressed and all that. That was another note. I think, yeah, another note I had about buying, um, you know, you know what you use to paint wall, you know, when you're painting your your walls and you wash down your walls with TSP. Well, we use TSP to age the clothing sometimes. So, so we would, you know, wash the clothes in that, you know, and then, uh, you know, make them look more worn and more vintage like, you know, so, uh, so, I thought that well, that's a funny note, you know. <laughs> TSP. How often does a customer use TSP? But and I'm but sure that's did. a pain in the ass, right? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And then, and then I noticed there was a. This is just a memory because I don't have a note of it uh, for Kennedy uh, when she was wearing uh, like a little cap sleeve uh, horizontal stripe uh, polo looking shirt. And right. as I recall, I believe that was a vintage shirt from someplace. And I'm oh, not really? sure. Yes, I think it was. And I, I, I don't really have a note on it exactly but about where it came from. But that is my memory of it, that it was something uh, that uh, had come from, I don't know, like maybe a rental house or 
or maybe okay. it was already in stock in in our um, stock room. You know, it had been used before by someone. Mm. I'm not sure, but I, it came in handy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but there was one other thing I wanted to mention. I could I could mention in uh, I'm sure any episode is the un uh, to me watching these episodes the unsung heroes in all of these shows are the stunt people yeah they are incredible and in my uh, my old records of uh, I would basically do put together a notebook for each show. And I do have a couple of notebooks fully intact. And I would always have the stunt people's information, um, their contact information, their sizes, their um, everything about them. And mm -hmm. so many of them, you know, that, you know, when I'm looking through my logs and looking at purchases, the multiple outfits that we buy, well, I'm buying way more for the stunt people than I am for the principal players. <laughs> and the interesting thing about when you're dressing someone like a principal player, and there are going to be stunts, you have to take that into consideration because they're going to be, uh, you know, hooked up to wires and, you know, the kind of uh, activity that, the, you know, that the scene requires for the stunt person. So everything kind of has to work for the principal to look good on the principal, but also to be functional for right. both, both people, you know, and, and I, again, you know, I'm really impressed looking backward when I watch the episodes, when I see uh, how seamlessly sometimes it, it's all intertwined and that's kudos to the editor and the special effects and, and absolutely the stunt people, like I, like I said, I mean, they, they can't be praised enough for their work. I mean, because th this show is just full of nothing but stunts. I mean, right. you know, people, <laughs> you know, slammed against the walls, <laughs> you know, and it, it's just, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of forethought. How, how's that going to work? And, you know, padding and that sort of thing, you know, that we would have to do, you know, you have to make allowances, but is it more difficult or easier for you when like, cause you know, she's wearing a black jacket and jeans. Is yes. that easier because you're distressing black or is it harder to like keep track of? Um, no, I, I, I don't know that it's easier or harder really. Okay. It's, ju it's just, you know, um, but a jacket, you know, of course, you know, you can hide, um, a lot of padding underneath of that, you know, oh, yeah. too, you know, things like that, you know, that, that, that's important. But then as far as distressing something, you know, you just you know, beat the hell out of it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, run over it with a car. That's been done. We've done that before. You know, put rocks in the, you know, in the dryer, <laughs> something like that, you know. You know, just, you know, just to make it look, you know, really authentic. And, but, but God bless those dumb people. Like I said, you know, I was looking at the both the men and the women, and, I, you know, I had the their pictures, you know, these young people, and I'm reading their bios and what talent they have for, for this work. I mean, you know, that they've studied uh, all kinds of martial arts, plus, you know, some of them, you know, whatever dance or whatever, you know, it's like, it's really incredible. And, uh, but I, I just don't think we ever talk about them enough. You know? Yeah. I know I haven't, I don't think, 
but I should because <laughs> because they certainly were a very important part of uh, my job. You know, of uh, it was always like I said a consideration. Well, is this person doing the stuff? So yeah. So anyway, so. One last question about this episode. Okay. All right. Let's see if I can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know do you know what the jacket was she was wearing? Uh the black jacket? Yeah. Do I have a note on that? Let me look. So I do feel like her in that black jacket's pretty iconic. <sighs> it's okay if you don't. I may have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I do have it listed here, but I don't have a clear note on that. That's okay. Okay. I will, I will, I will dig for that. <laughs> okay. You know, there were so many that, you know, but right. I, part of me wants to say theory, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. Listen, you've just spoiled me, Matt, because normally this is totally reasonable that you wouldn't know where that jacket's from, but I feel like normally you're like, oh, that's sax. Oh, that's this. Oh, that was a boutique. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, you know, if, if, I'm just looking again to see if I have anything. I have vents. I have, well, that's the next episode. Sorry. Never mind. Um, yeah, I can't tell you for certain. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but I can tell you about their, uh, their boots or something like that, but not the jacket. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, Matt, thank you for joining us. Uh, it was uh, a pleasure as always. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it's always good to speak with you and to, you know, say hello to the fans. Um, okay, well, now that we're at the end, uh, favorite scene, Cameron? Oh, um, honestly, I I did love the scene where they're talking to each other in their heads. I know it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I like, I just think that like, I just think it's like cute and weirdly sweet. And, yeah. you know, you all were mentioning earlier that what we love about this show is like that team and mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it makes sense or like necessarily works, but it is a really, I don't know. It stuck with me. Yeah. It's a great scene and it's a great reveal. Yeah. 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 Uh, What was your favorite scene, Kelly Sue? I think if we're, if it's whole scene, it's the scene at the dumpster. Um, Why, when they're trying to convince the, the demon to open the door for them. I thought that was like, it was (laughs) tight. He was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, there was uh, the the moment with with Giles where he's like, "Could we like?" And then like, "Oh no, okay, all right. Well, I'm just gonna like, <laughs> you know." And I, like that was a that was a that was solid. I like that scene. Mm-hmm. I was well done. Uh, Kirsten, I just that line that I'm the thing that monsters have nightmares about. It's one of my one of my series top series lines. So <laughs> fair. Uh, I think my favorite scene. You know, it's a tie between that scene outside the dumpster with Anya Giles and the uh, demon and I, the, yeah, her coming out and saying like, I'm the thing, like her entrance, the entrance of, you know, I mean, Kelly Sue, you said that's the gist of the episode. This is going to suck, but we'll make it like, mm-hmm. this will be terrible. I, we're going to get beat up, but like, we'll make it. Mm-hmm. I've just, ugh, that's the shit I love about this show. Uh, favorite outfit, Kelly Sue. Uh, uh, Felicia Day's outfit with the hat. Yes. With the hat. <laughs> Yeah, the like crocheted hat. Like, what the yes. fuck are you wearing? You, and you packed that. You brought it. You were like, oh, wait, no, but this sweater came with a hat, you guys. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. She like packed that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Cameron, what was your favorite outfit? Oh, you know what? I didn't prep for this. And now I just feel like they all blur together in like a, 
it wasn't it wasn't a big outfit episode. I, it I'll tell you what yeah. it might be. It's for a weird okay. reason. There's like a pink sweater that Dawn is wearing um, when when she's talking she's talking to Willow, whatever they're talking about. She's wearing this mm-hmm. pink sweater, and it's it just is reminding me of it has nothing to do with anything except for that like you know Michelle Trachtenberg was like in Harriet the Spy or whatever, and then she was <laughs> in this, and she just looks like she's like so stretched out, mm-hmm. like her body proportions in this show are like so odd. Because she got this job like right at that time where you just like grow in a super right, weird yeah. way. And especially after being a child actor and especially in the clothes that people <laughs> that were popular at the time. It's like this sweater is like longer that she says her torso is like eight and a half feet long and, and she's so teeny weeny. And I just was like laughing because it made me remember my <laughs> like remember when we looked like when like any remember being a teenager and when your body proportions were when you look like Doug Jones anyway that's what it felt like watching her so me back to my own I'm life. five feet tall which is the same height that I was at age twelve so yeah, got like, it I yeah. um, I, I actually am like, like I'm seeing this thing that you're talking about in my children now, but I didn't live it myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's yes, so yes. weird it doesn't yeah. bless all of us it yeah doesn't bless all of us we don't all have these odd moments but yeah <laughs> I, like and my, my son went from uh at the the beginning of the pandemic uh he was in a, a size eight and a half shoe and then uh did not wear shoes for like a year and a half because right, yeah. he never left the house you know and uh uh and when we had to put him in shoes again there's none of them fit and yeah. I ordered like two sizes up and those didn't fit. He's dude, like somehow in this particular moment, because it was, because he was confined to the house in ages at ages 13 to just now 14. He went from an eight and a half to a 12. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Weird. It's just like completely exactly. like, how did that wait? What? Just <laughs> slap two pink sweaters on his feet because yes! that's the only thing. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah. What's your favorite outfit, Kirsten? I, I like Anya's pink coat. I like that it's long and flowy, and she's just so cute. She does look good. I, you know, I me, it's Buffy's fighting jacket because mm-hmm. I do like that jacket on her. I, I think it looks good. And Anya's jacket because I both of them look good in their jackets. I love um, how strong the jacket game is in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, but I live in Southern California. <laughs> you don't wear leather coat you don't wear jackets i will well, say the the costume well. designer has told me that sam Michelle geller was always cold on set and like mm-hmm. always wanted to be wearing jackets mm-hmm. but also they shot at night most of the time true, so. i guess i mean i will say when i go to visit la usually i'll bring like one hoodie for the nighttime and people will be like you know their jeans and i'll be like no i'm still sweating like <laughs> <laughs> uh what grade do we give the episode kelly sue b minus that's fair that's fair um, Cameron, can we take out the middle of the episode and sew the beginning to the end? Because if so, I would give it a I give it a solid A. But it, yeah. as it is, I think it is like a bit of a B. Bit of a B. <laughs> Kirsten, uh, yeah, B minus, C plus. I mean, there's so many like great moments overall. Yeah, I mean, it could have used some uh, Frankensteining there, but. Shit, I guess I'm the, I, I give it a, I was an A, but you all convinced me that I would bring it down to a B plus. I just think I like battle. I like the the speech at the end, but it yeah. is rewatching it. It felt faster. Like mm-hmm. it was like slow and then fast. Like the pacing is a little. Yeah. Uh, 
there are some really good ideas. It just yes. it, it needs some workshopping. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us. Thank you all for listening. Kirsten, it was great having you back co-hosting. It's been a minute. Um, and if you all like Slayer Vest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can find our social at SlayerFestX98. We are on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and anywhere else. And uh, if you like us, feel free to subscribe to us and give us a good rating. Or you can support us on Patreon, which would be much appreciated. We're currently going through the Harley Quinn cartoon. Um, and uh, Kirsten, and if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Carlos. Kirsten, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Kirsten White or on the shelves of your local bookstore. Kelly Sue, where can everyone find you? On Twitter at Kelly Sue, K-E-L-L-Y-S-U-E, or on Instagram at Kelly Sue D. Same, but like with a D at the end. <laughs> and Cameron, where can everyone find you? Well, you could follow me on socials at Cameron Esposito for all of them. I also have a podcast that's called Query that is me interviewing awesome queer people. And so listen to that. Cool. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>